This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hello and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM. My name is Chris and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help and then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, my name's Ross. I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership, We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, Ross. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you are at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings, and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. 
It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Okay, for anyone who might have just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Would you like to introduce yourself and give us a quick sketch of who you are? Hi, my name's Ross. As I said before, I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm uh, 61 years old and coming up for 11 years sober. So I came into these rooms just before I turned 50. And do you have a family? Yes, yeah. I've uh, got a wife, two grown children, and two fabulous young grandsons who are (laughs) are nine and ten and keep me very busy. (laughs) And what sort of um, occupational background do you have? Uh, I trained as an accountant, and so I've had a professional sort of career um, through my lifetime. And give us a bit of a rundown on where you're from and where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Um, I had a fabulous childhood. Uh, I grew up in uh, in Auckland near the beach, um, so... We had yachts and boats and beaches and swimming. My father was a school teacher, so we had fabulous holidays when I was a child. Uh, I also, um, oddly for an alcoholic, uh, grew up in a family where there was absolutely no alcohol. Um, we had no alcohol in my in the house. Um, aunts, uncles, grandparents didn't drink, so I came from a um, from a standing start to alcohol, if you like. <laughs> So when did you start drinking and how did it progress? Um, I, I, my first drink was at a party uh, when I was 16. Um, I was given a drink and uh, I learnt all those years later that I drank alcoholically um, from the start. I, I drank so much that night that my friend's mother had to put her fingers down my throat uh, and try to tidy me up uh, before she sent me home to my teetotal family. <laughs> so do you know why you drank? Um, what alcohol did for you? Uh, n- uh, in the rooms, I hear a lot of people talking about how uh, alcohol gave them confidence um, uh, that wasn't me. I, I was a confident teenager. I could stand up and speak and de- in the debating team, that sort of thing. Um, I think for me, um, when I first drank, it was that first part of the disease that you talked about, that um, I took one drink and I couldn't stop right from day one. So did you drink alone or socially or binge or daily? Um, for me, um, it, it progressed. I, my, in my 20s, I had, um, I had a fabulous time with alcohol. I, in my mid-20s, I married well and we travelled and went to fabulous places. Um, and I, I drank socially in, the, in that area. In my 30s, it became harder um, and... Uh, I, I would withdraw more, and in the in my forties and my last years of drinking, I would drink socially. Um, but what the people I was drinking socially with didn't know is that I'd had a few gins before I got there, and when I got home, I kept on going. And did you ever feel it was a problem? 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I, um, yeah, in my, my, in my 40s, I was drinking every day to excess. Um, like when I say I had a few drinks, it was, I'm talking bottles, not glasses. Mm. Um, and in that time, um, life got harder and harder and harder. And my lack of engagement with real life meant that my family life was suffering. Um, but I, I, I didn't try to stop. My wife at one stage suggested we might have you know, an alcohol-free day. Uh, but she soon realized that I was so grumpy with that that on my alcohol-free day, I was allowed a, a very large gin when I first got home. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did you ever get into trouble with the law, lost jobs, lost relationships? Um, not, not with the law. Um, I, I certainly, um, uh, alcohol was, and my drinking was a, a large part of leaving um, a couple of jobs. Um, with my family, uh, they they stuck together. I think the family changed. My wife. Um, really um, took control of how the family operated and kind of left me to do my thing. How did you feel? Can you describe your mental, emotional, spiritual well-being then? Look, in that last 10 years, it was just awful. Um, everything was falling apart. Um, when, when we moved from the North Island to here to Christchurch, I we set up a business together, my wife and I, and I basically drank it um, away. I drank. We, we'd, we'd done quite well to that stage of our lives, and I drank everything away. So by the time we came into here, we were hugely in debt. Um, and I, the crazy thing, in that introduction, you talked about not being able to imagine life without alcohol. The crazy thing for me is my best friend at school who we were best men for each other and we he had a similar background to me. His parents didn't drink, so we taught each other to drink. <laughs> he joined AA and got sober seven years before me. And even with his example, I couldn't imagine not drinking. Mm. It was crazy. So how did you find your way to your first AA meeting and what was it like? Uh, I found my way to my first, my, my wife was away travelling, um, which was great. The handbrake was off um, and uh, our, our listeners may not understand what blackout is. It's, a, it's where you've drunk so much that your brain function for remembering things uh, ceases uh, while the rest of your brain functions so you can you know, do things. I woke up in a hotel room on a Monday morning in Auckland, not quite sure how I'd got there, what I was doing there. And um, I, I realised then that this is just, this is stupid. So with this friend that I've just spoken about, with his example in my head, I knew to call AA. I, I phoned the 0800 AA Works number and they put me onto a meeting quite close to, to the hotel 
Unfortunately, it was later in the day, so I had probably the worst day of my life wandering around Auckland, knowing that I couldn't go into a bar, but no, not really knowing what else to do. And that meeting, the guys were great. Um, and I think, for me, my first meeting, that relief of actually saying out loud, I'm an alcoholic, was fantastic. Mm. Yeah. So you felt hopeful after your first meeting? Um, yes, I... Um, I'm I'm very lucky that um, I only had to drink again once, uh, and that was the next weekend after that. I, I got home from Auckland uh, on the Saturday night. I was thinking I'd better clean up, you know, throw out the gin and whiskey and bottles and tip them down the sink. And as I was taking the top off the gin, I thought, well, maybe I'm not a real alcoholic. Maybe I can just have one drink. Um, that experiment meant that I woke up on Sunday morning with the worst hangover, all the booze gone, but not down the sink. Mm. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, as I say, I had I had a friend as an example, and as I went to meetings and heard other people who had been just like me, and whose lives had changed, I knew that it could work. That's great. So how have you managed to stay sober? What did you do to, uh, to ensure your sobriety? Well, you, in, the, in the question, you're right, you have to do something. <laughs> uh, you can't just stop something, which is the drinking. Um, uh, I had to, in the rooms they talk about getting a sponsor, somebody who's done the steps, the 12 steps of AA, put them into their lives and has achieved sobriety. Uh, to help you work through the steps and I, I eventually found a sponsor and I would meet with him every Thursday morning uh, we would go through the steps and in, in going through that process I changed the way that I deal with life has changed it gave me some tools um, not only to deal with my own head and crazy thinking but with the relationships with other people um, how to mend them, how to have them. Um, yeah, so really it's in doing the steps. I've, I've continued to go to meetings, um, where, which are good for me because I twofold. One is that I realise that I'm not the only crazy in the world, <laughs> that other people have the same problems day to day with me. And uh, in a meeting we share not only the fact that we've got a problem, but what we do to fix it, which is really important. Mm. And the other aspects of meetings is that, as my sponsor says, I now have a primary purpose to stay sober and help other al alcoholics. And at a meeting, I can find another alcoholic to help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So how important has service been as part of your recovery? Oh, I think that's... It, it's part of what what I've seen over the years. The the people that get the most out of AA are people that put the most in. Um, I'm I'm very lucky with my sponsor. Not only has he encouraged me to to do service with an AA, and whether that's within my group or beyond the group in the structure of AA. Um, but he he also um, reads and studies about aspects of spirituality, which is part of the program, 
and encourages me to read and to grow in my head in the in the yeah I don't know how to put it but to keep growing not just keep pedaling the bike yeah exactly yeah so how, how would you describe yourself in your life today uh, look, I am a completely different person. Um, I I couldn't have done something like this before I came in here. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the greatest aspects of um, the program, having done the steps, is um, to become a sponsor myself and to think beyond myself and my own problems and to work with others to help them has been amazing. Yeah. What about outer changes, your career, living situation, home, travel, hobbies? Um, I, that, that financial difficulty we found ourselves in meant that we went into liquidation uh, after a few years of sobriety. We couldn't hold it together. So um, sobriety hasn't meant that life has been perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it has meant is that I have been able to, with my wife, deal with things rather than just try to blot them out by getting pissed. And so together we've actually, you know, we're, we're the poorest we've ever been in our lives, mm-hmm. but it's okay. Um, and yeah, with, with that, if I wasn't sober, it would have just been horrendous just horrendous how how have your relationships with friends family and loved ones changed in sobriety um i think one of the main with family they are they're great Uh, within the the steps there's a step nine which uh where you make amends for things that you've done in the past and and with with family that's rebuilt relationships that were fabulous um, with that friendship thing, um, be- because of who I was when I was drinking, I didn't really form friendships. Um, I had acquaintances and people that I drank with. Um, but having drunk for that long, I didn't really develop a skill to make friendships. Um, what I've found in the rooms is that I have probably handful of guys now that I could talk to about anything um, which is really an amazing space to be relationships and friendships outside the rooms I still struggle a little bit um, yeah I in in that step nine thing when I'm when I'm when I do something wrong within a friendship say something that's inappropriate um, I know in the steps um, what I have to do and I have to make amends for that but unfortunately the other thing you have to do is step back and allow the other person to react the way they want to react mm-hmm. and sometimes with friendships um, you know they uh, reality is, is they come and go and, and sometimes it's difficult to let the other person um, react the way that they want to react instead of the way I want them to do it. <laughs> so AA is described as a spiritual program. What does that mean to you? What does spirituality mean to you? Um, to me, the basic 
thing is to accept it, it, using the words of AA that there's a power greater than myself out there. Um, we, we also refer to it as God, but always put after that as I understand him. Mm. Um, and I think it's very important. Well, it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a part of the program. You have to understand and come to believe that there is a power greater than you out there. It, to, to people unfamiliar with the program and how it works, I think they, it's a hard thing to understand how that happens. Um, in the steps, we only ask you at step two to believe it. Um, because, you know, come to believe it because these other people in the room have found it. Um, and if you do the steps, the next time it really mentions it, it is, at, is at step 12, where it says having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. So the steps provide a pathway to, to having a spiritual experience, understanding what that is. I think it, it's a... It's a big topic, spirituality, <laughs> and, and um, but but what what this program does, and why I find it really fascinating, is that instead of just saying you must have a god and you have to have a spiritual awakening, it then has these steps, practical steps, as to how to get there. And so, how does that differ differ from religion for you? Uh, it differs from religion in that there are no rules. Um, in AA, you, the, the steps require that you have a spiritual experience and have come to believe in a power greater than yourself. We don't name that. We don't... Um, uh, my sponsor uh, is a very devout Catholic I know exactly who his God is, but he's allowed me to have my own God, my own concept of God. Um, I can, and, and I, I can take, pick and choose the bits from religions because a, a lot of spirituality, well, <laughs> religions are basically a spiritual program. Um, pick and choose the ones I want. Um, like I, my God isn't. My God's a loving God. Some people have a God who, you know, would would send them to hell. Mm. Um, I don't want a God like that, so I can choose not to have a God like that. Fair enough. And lastly, what would you suggest for any listeners that think they have a drinking problem? What advice would you wish someone had given you when you became, when drinking became a problem? And what question would you ask someone to help them decide what whether they need help? Um, I'll ask, answer that last bit first. I think in, in the introduction you gave that definition that we have in Alcoholics Anonymous that if, if you think you've got a problem with drinking, um, can you have just one drink? And if you have one, just one drink, does that mean the rest of the night's spoiled because you keep thinking about the drink? Mm -hmm. And if you can't do that and you you drink to excess why do you pick up another drink the next day why do you take the top off the bottle of wine 
when you know what it's going to lead to. And if the, if you've got those two things, then I think you've got a problem with alcohol as we define it in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I'd suggest you that, you know, there are, we've got the 0800 AA Works number. Uh, we're listed in the phone book. Have a call. Talk to an alcoholic. Um, and that's what, if you make that call, that's what they can do. They can put you in touch with um, some alcoholics who can tell them, tell you their story and see whether you relate to what those alcoholics have been through. And attend a meeting, see whether it's for yeah. you. Give it a whirl, Cheryl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what have you got to lose? We do promise people that we'll refund their misery in form. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to stay. So, Ross, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really good to be here. Okay. So for our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experience. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of this show. Thank you for listening, and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We'll now close the show with the serenity prayer, as we do at every AA meeting. God, grant grant me the serenity to to accept the things things I cannot change, change. courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.